welcome to the first episode of Germ Syllabus. This is Germ Network's first podcast. Maybe it won't be our last. I am Tessa Brown, Germ CEO, and I'm here with my co-founder, Brett. I'm Brett Duboff. I am a co-founder, as Tessa just mentioned. I am also the UX designer, UX researcher, and community builder as well. We recorded this episode on December 8th, 2022, when we were in week eight of our 10-week germ syllabus programming. This series started as a Twitter space, which is a live audio room, on October 11th, and we didn't initially record it, but we began having such great conversations, we realized we should be recording them and publishing them as podcasts. So this is just a first shorter episode that Brett and I put together to share a little bit of what we talked about in our first two meetings. And then the rest of the series will include all the edited recordings of weeks three and then weeks five through 10, where we talk to really amazing guests like consensual UX designer and PhD candidate Jane M., the CTO and co-founder of Trust Lab, Shankar Ponikanti, and one of our advisors, Stanford Encryption Policy Researcher, Rihanna Pfefferkorn. And we also have a bunch of super smart technologist guests who are just members of our community who showed up to chat live. Let me tell you a little bit more about us. Germ Network is an early stage tech company on a mission to promote healthy communication. We're building empowering social media, starting with a secure messenger designed especially for Gen Z. They deserve to feel safe online, but they often don't. We've done a ton of in-depth user research and customer discovery to create our messenger prototype. And we are currently looking for our CTO and or a software engineer who will want to build this product with us. So please share this with engineers who are looking to co-found a company. Uh, we have a lot of materials to share. This series, Germ Syllabus, is our open access tech ethics course that we're using to build community and start conversations around the values that have shaped our formation. I was also a lecturer at Stanford before this, and so I think this was a really transitional kind of experience for me to just still put a class together and use that for community building. And Germ Syllabus is really a course. So throughout the series, you'll hear us referencing articles and other resources that are all up in our Discord server. So please join us there via any of our socials to chat with a growing community of developers, designers, founders, makers, cooks and bakers, urbanists, and just a really wonderful group of people who care about building a better world. I've uh, I've really enjoyed how we all are connecting on the Discord and, you know, just discussing whatever is on our mind on the platform. It's just been a fun time, and I hope people can continue to discuss with us on Discord. It's just it's a great community out there. I'm excited to have these conversations recorded so that we can have more people joining them. So let's get into some summary of our first two episodes. I'm sorry that we can't share the recordings with you guys, but we wanted to at least share some of what we talked about because it really laid a foundation for the whole series and we kept referencing them. So our very first meeting, our first episode was called hashtag site black women and the hashtag syllabus. And we had an amazing conversation with our guest Professor Sherry Williams of American University. 
I invited Sherry to be our first guest because I know her from our time as PhD students together at Syracuse University. But more importantly, she is an amazing scholar of communications and of Black women's digital production, including an article on what's called the hashtag syllabus movement. And that's really relevant for us because our class is called hashtag germ syllabus. And when I started planning this class, that name just kind of came to me. But then I reflected for a moment and realized that the hashtag syllabus was a meme from Black women's digital cultural production. And as someone that's not a Black woman, I thought for a little while about not using that name. I decided ultimately to use that opportunity to keep the name and highlight how much of digital culture and digital cultural leadership comes from Black communities, especially women, girls, and LGBTQ folks. And throughout this whole series, we've been really focused on centering women and centering women of color in our conception of tech ethics. So I really liked that as a way to start. I found that that talk was very interesting because Sherry had been on the internet forever and she brought a unique perspective that that needs to be heard more often. It's a shame that we didn't get that recording, but what I learned from that talk is there needs to be more focus to make the internet more inclusive in general. And as a UX designer, it's important to design a product for people that aren't yourself. So as a white male, a germ, being geared towards people that aren't white or males has been something that has actually been kind of motivating for me because it's it's just a change and it gets me going. I love that. And, you know, I also come from hip hop literacy studies, which is really obsessed with sampling and the politics of citation, right? Who are we citing? Who are we acknowledging in our genealogies? And so I love framing this conversation on tech ethics within the leadership of women of color, because especially the deeper I get into this space, I often see tech ethics frameworks that are really depersonalized and really evasive of sociology and social realities. So I wanted to name this marginalized group to start Black women, because Black women have been leaders in creating the study of intersectional marginalizations like Kimberly Crenshaw's theory of intersectionality. And Black women have been at the forefront of giving us the specific language to talk about how impacted populations are experiencing this world. So it was really awesome in that first episode hearing Sherry discuss her work on how Black women turned Twitter into a teach-in through the public resources that they created in the Ferguson syllabus, the Charleston syllabus, and the Lemonade syllabus, which all gathered all sorts of resources together for people just on the internet, right? Not in universities that were trying to understand more about what was happening in Ferguson, what was happening in Charleston, and even Beyonce's Lemonade album. One of the cool things about working on Germ or one of our big mission statements is really just we're building towards making the internet more welcoming to everyone. It doesn't matter what race you are, what gender you are, or anything really. That like this, We're just building the product for, for you. I love that. And I think something that's often overlooked is that we do have to name specific groups to make a more inclusive internet. You know, you have to talk about who's being left out to make sure that they're being brought back in. And if you want to learn more about Sherry's work, you can find her article in our Discord. And 
she has such important work, not just about the hashtag syllabus, but also about hashtag say her name, which brought gender to Black Lives Matter. And also the huge role that Shonda Rhimes played on a little bit of a lighter note in bringing the TV industry onto Twitter for live tweeting. And I'm really excited that Sherry is working on a book about Black women on the internet because it's going to be so awesome. So the next week, week two, kind of continued these same themes, but we had different central texts. It was called Bias in the Internet's Foundations, and we spent our time talking about UCLA professor Sophia Noble's book, Algorithms of Oppression, which if you're listening to this right now, you really need to read that book. And we also compared that with the movie The Social Network, which is all about the founding of Facebook at Harvard in the 2000s. And I want to tell you a little bit about Sophia Noble's book. It's focused on how Google has structured our access to digital information. And she opens with a really fascinating and disturbing example, which is the ways that the porn industry, which makes up a huge percentage of internet traffic, shaped how women of color are represented in the data that makes up the internet. Because Google search results are responsive to what's being searched and selected, and providers also quickly began doing search engine optimization. So what happened was this vicious cycle of subjectification of women of color. So Black girls, Asian girls, Latina girls, these became literal tags that reinforced what folks would find when they searched those terms. Noble's book is really thorough in demonstrating that Google didn't start with the best information the way that library science does, although library science also has its own history of bias. But instead, the Google algorithm is built around serving up the most popular or the most promoted information. And so it's really capitalism that's shaping how we discover information on the internet when we use Google. This Twitter talk was fascinating in terms of seeing what really goes on in these social media companies from the onset. Like usually when we're on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, or even something like Google, we're having fun and, you know, we're being connected and like that's pretty much the the use or the purpose of those, those sites and it's all free, but we don't, or at least I, I didn't think about how these platforms are free in the sense that these platforms can influence how we think and behave simply by how they use their algorithms. And it's just scary when you really think about it. I think where Sophia Noble influenced and encouraged me the most in that book was her insistence that while platform designers and engineers aren't trained in histories of representation, they should be. And to take that another way, those of us who are not programmers, but who are trained in women's studies, who are trained in critical race studies and critical information studies, we need to push ourselves forward into the space. We need to take up space and we need to intervene in the processes of technology development. So, hi, <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm trying. I also really enjoyed comparing her book with the movie The Social Network. Because when I have rewatched that movie in the last couple of years, I've been really struck by how the objectification of women, at least in the way that Andrew Sorkin tells the story, fuels the growth of Facebook and fuels its virality. It's it's hard to know how accurate the social network is just because like you never know with these like movies that are based in real life 
it's like sometimes they tend to fabricate a little bit like and also like we weren't there but after what ended up happening with Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook like especially the Cambridge Analytica story uh, where we found out that Facebook was sharing data with a third party and how he's handled Facebook and Meta now especially with like privacy stuff too which we'll get into in future episodes but um it seems like all the things he did in the movie are now very very believable but yeah it's just just like I guess there's just hindsight bias I guess in in that sense yeah I mean we say that so much that hindsight is 2020 but you know even when we were doing that episode I went and tried to look at the historical record about what we do really know is true about those early days And one thing that was definitely real was the product he built before Facebook called FaceMash, which was this viral product at Harvard where users compared two women's faces and clicked who they thought was hotter. And the way he built that app was he hacked into the Harvard official university digital Facebook that had a photo of every single student on campus, and he illegally downloaded the pictures of every single undergraduate woman at Harvard and populated them into his new website. So he really has always had a knack for virality that is built on stolen IP that's been scaling harassment and abuse. And you could also say that incentivizes surveillance. And I obviously got really worked up thinking about this stuff. And what I also was shocked by, I went back and looked at the old Harvard Crimson editions, their campus newspaper. He was not disciplined for face mash. He went in front of the student advisory board or the student disciplinary board, and they didn't discipline him at all. He basically sexually harassed every single undergraduate woman at Harvard, but he wasn't suspended. He wasn't expelled. He didn't even get put on probation, and they let him drop out on his own schedule. And then he immediately received like six figures of venture capital investment from Sean Berger and Peter Thiel. That sucks. (laughs) It definitely sucks. I'm glad that the first two episodes grounded this whole series focus on women and women of color in the digital world, because I think that that is the best place for starting to think about tech ethics. It's also been really wild to conduct this series on Twitter, as you'll hear throughout the episodes as it progresses, because it's been this fall that Elon Musk has taken over Twitter. And so I'm seeing issues like consent and privacy and safety online become more important than ever. And we have to talk about those issues, starting with thinking about women, people of color, LGBTQIA people, as well as other marginalized groups, because we're the ones whose safety, privacy, and consent get violated first. So I'm really proud of the ways that thinking about women's experiences has helped us design a product for everyone with features like double opt-in, accessible privacy controls and end-to-end encrypted messaging. And we're really excited about the ways that our values and our analysis of the space are reflected inside our product design and gives us a different experience of being online and letting us connect, but also set boundaries with each other on the internet. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our future episodes, uh, we'd love to chat with you in our Discord. And uh, the Discord invite link is in our Twitter bio, if you don't know where that is. 
it's just Germ Network is our Twitter handle. Also, as a reminder, uh, we're looking for our CTO and engineer. So if you're interested, uh, you can contact us. I'm Brett Duboff. My co-founder who just talked was Tessa Brown. You, I think we're easily findable on LinkedIn. So yeah, just contact us there. So. Um, and yeah, stay tuned to this podcast feed. We'll be posting more episodes from the talks as soon as they are ready. Happy holidays. Yay. Yay.